Today we enter into the second week of Advent. I'm so excited about what God has for us today. Can you stand with me and let's get into the Word? We have two very brief passages of Scripture and then we're just going to move forward and see what God has. Amen? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Mm. Second passage, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Father God, I thank you that your word is alive and it is active. And I thank you, Father, that the moment that we read it, the moment that that word was released, you began to watch over it, to perform it. I thank you, Father, that even now you are awakening the hearts of your people, Father, to become watchmen on the walls. I thank you, Father, that this is the time and the season where we need to be awake and we need to be aware and we need to watch. So, Father, I ask that you birth that within us today. Let us be tender. Let us hear you today. Let us be quick to obey. I pray, Father, everything that is of me would be just fall to the ground and be forgotten. Father, but everything that is of you, I pray it would plant seed deep in the souls and the spirits of your people and that it would produce that they cannot, a fruit that they cannot escape. In Jesus' name, amen? amen? Amen. This is a little bit in my way. This week we enter into the second week of Advent. And as such, we take our thoughts. First week of Advent, we talk about the birth of Christ. We talk about the manger. We talked about Bethlehem the first week of Advent. The second week of Advent, our thoughts must move from the manger in Bethlehem to the return of the King. Can you just go there with me this week? Can you just for the briefest moment, can we begin to imagine what that will even be like? Can we imagine for a moment what it's going to be like when he returns? Can you imagine a world where the king truly reigns? We think about it from time to time. It's it's sporadic at best, but, but to actually dwell and think about what it's going to be like when he returns. When I was a, a child, I had it all pictured in my mind. I just knew that that eastern sky was going to split wide open and that the clouds were going to roll back and that he was going to be there. And I used to wait for that and I used to, to watch for that. But it was a future thing. But, but today as an adult, I, I, I think about what it's going to mean to us. What it's going to mean, what would that look like now? in the world that we currently live in and that we currently exist in. Can you imagine when he reigns? You know that when he returns, death will no longer exist. You know that pain and tears and worry and anxiety, it'll be gone. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine? Can you imagine a world where... um, where he is sovereign and and there is no need for homeland security. Can you imagine a world where Al-Qaeda and ISIS no longer exist? A world where the lion has roared. (laughs) A world where the king has taken authority. That is the world that he has for us. He says heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will remain. 
Uh, there's a new heaven coming. There's a new earth coming. And with it, we have a king who is going to reign. Do you look forward to that? Do you anticipate his return? Or do you forget about it? Do you forget that it's even part of the equation anymore? See, all of those things are coming. That, that anticipation needs to be there because if we do not anticipate, we become weary in the waiting. We have to anticipate his return. And all of that's coming. But between now and then, what we are doing is we're watching prophecy be fulfilled before our very eyes. The word says in Matthew 24 that there will be wars and there will be rumors of wars. But it says don't be worried because the end is not yet to come. Second Timothy chapter 3 talks about in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Surely that's not today. Unthankful unholy, without natural affection. And then it goes on to talk about they will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then it gives us this instruction and it says from such turn away. But unfortunately, we, see, we seem to embrace. And see, those things must take place. That's where we are. But in the middle of everything that's going on, we must remember that we are waiting we are waiting for someone. We are aliens in this world. This is not our home. We are passing through. There is a kingdom that has a king, and he is going to come back for us. Amen? He has not forgotten us. He has not forgotten. When I read this passage of scripture, more than watchmen wait for the dawn. The way that it actually reads in the scripture, it says, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Wait for the morning. One commentary says it's as if his mind stayed on that one phrase because he could not escape. It was the one phrase that was translating the anxiety that he felt on the inside. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen. And see, that's pretty intense because watchmen, that was their calling. That was what they had to do. They took their post and, and they stood to their ground and they peered off into the distance and they watched not, not for themselves. They watched for others. Can you do that? So often we'll pay so close attention when it has something to do with us. But what if it has nothing to do with you? What if you're called to watch so that you can cry out so that others can be saved? What if you're called to stand your guard and peer off into the distance to watch for others? More than watchmen. I think about how weary they must have become. There were several different kinds of watchmen in those days. The one that we tend to think about the most are the ones who were placed on the walls of the large cities of Jerusalem and Jericho and Bethlehem. And they would stand watch and they would. They would watch all night long. The night was divided into four watches of three hours each. And, and they would take turns. And sometimes they would work all the way through the night and they would call out to those, those watches and um, there were also those who were called to sit with the sick at night that were considered to be watchmen, those who were ill or infirmed. And, and if you've ever sat with a sick child overnight, if you've ever been up overnight waiting for the sun to come up, doesn't it just go, the clock just goes, and you're like, ah! Okay, maybe you're not. That's just kind of me. 
I don't wait well. I'm just going to put that out there. But you're waiting because there's something that happens when daylight comes. All of that fear and that anxiety that strikes you at night. What's wrong with my child? What's happening here? Or, or all of the things that, that at nighttime just seem so exacerbated. They seem so intense at night. But then the dawn breaks. And you know that with dawn... There are new mercies. <laughs> the word says there are new mercies every single day. And I don't know about you, but I need a double portion every single morning. But those new mercies come and this grace comes with the dawn. There were those who also would stand guard because, and they would watch for the first streak of light to come across the sky because they were watchmen for the temple. And they wanted to set about their duties and get things in place precisely, exactly as God had charged. And so they would watch for the morning. But to peer, it's so hard to see in the dark. Have you noticed that? And for your job to be to see in the dark before there were lights that could be lit down the street, before there were night vision goggles. Your job is to peer into the darkness so that these that you're watching over can be safe. How weary you must become. How tired you must become waiting for the morning. Romans 8 talks about a pregnant creation. Okay, that's the message Bible. I guess you picked up on that because of the wording. But it talks about all creation groaning in anticipation for the return of their king. It talks about this anticipation and it talks about in the waiting. It can be so heavy. It can be when, when you're pregnant, my, my daughter-in-law just gave birth to our new granddaughter, Alyssa. Yes, yes, yes. I have photos if you want to see me afterwards. We'll share, we'll talk. She's beautiful. She's like pretty, like pretty. I mean, seriously, she's a cutie. She is so pretty, you just wouldn't believe. I only had grandsons until the granddaughter came along. Of course, she had five granddaughters, so yeah old stuff to you but she's just gorgeous but those last few weeks poor little Kate would just it's like I would be around her and my back would hurt because it's like she just to lean back so that she could get a full breath you know because she's it's, I mean she's tiny everywhere except just this little basketball belly you know and and uh, I hope she's not watching anyway but she would she'd be like I'm just she was just so tired and she would cry and then she would be okay, and then she'd cry some more, and her back would hurt, and these things, she just was tired. But in the middle of it, I would listen, and she would go, I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to see her. I just want to see her face. And she would think about, you know, what she went through when she was delivering Bo, and when she was delivering Parker, and remembering that first sight of being able to see them and hold them. It sustained her. There was a joy in the middle of the caring. There was a joy in the middle of the weightiness, in the middle of the heaviness that allowed her to push through. If all she had known was the weightiness of the waiting, the heaviness of the waiting, how horrible it would be to not have that hope implanted on the inside of her. I'm going to see her. And see, that's where we are so often today. We're weighted and we're carrying and there are these things that we get burdened by and it just becomes a weight and a burden because we forget the hope of deliverance. We forget the joyful anticipation of his return. Can anybody say amen? And when we lose sight of that, everything just gets hard. 
You know, it's just, it just becomes difficult. But see, the joy is in the remembering. The Word tells us when it talks about earth groaning, all earth groans in anticipation. I was thinking about that. The Lord had taken me through this thing back a while ago, and I know I shared it with you, you guys a little bit, but I got to thinking about we don't hear in the Word that the earth groans in anticipation for Him until after He has been here. And I got to thinking about how it must have been when he arrived on the scene in Bethlehem. Can you even imagine when his first baby cry rent the air? I can just in my spirit, I can just imagine. I can just imagine that all of the air, (laughs) all of the elements took notice when he cried and his voice rent the air that all of the elements, when he is here, he is here. And then I think about the first time his little flat toddler foot began to stomp up on the ground. And I think all the earth stood at, at still and just rang and reverberated going, he is here. He is here. When he was 12 years old and he stood in the temple and he began to teach and this wisdom began to pour forth from him. Don't you know that every religious hierarchy, everything that claimed to be wisdom stood at notice and went, he is here. And when he stood on the banks of the Jordan, I believe when he walked into that water, I believe when his feet touched the surface, that from that place to every ocean, every river, every stream, all across the planet, began to cry, he is here. And when they took him beneath the water, and the water kissed him and embraced him, ran through his beard. I believe that everything began to testify. Say ha Elohim, the Lamb of God has come. I believe that it began to testify. And from that moment forward, from the time that his breath kissed the atmosphere, from the time that his words were released, from the time that his feet touched the planet, from the times that the water embraced him, it began to groan. And I believe when he ascended and his feet left the planet, I believe the earth just went, oh. And from that moment forward, they have waited on him. They have longed. Creation has groaned for his return. And we groan for his return when we remember. When I was a child, much like Pastor Ronnie had just shared, during communion. When I was a child, there was not a time, there was not a Sunday where you went in. I would sit there and the people next to me would be going, oh, come Lord Jesus. Oh, come Lord Jesus. And I'd be like, I have things to do before he comes. <laughs> okay, maybe I didn't, but, um, but they would t- it, was, it was our conversation. It was on the felt board. It was like Jesus coming back. And, and I was so in love with him. I was so enamored of him. I thought he was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And something about that childlike faith, I just believed it. I just believed it. I wanted so badly for him to come back. He was family. I was his he was mine. I remember filling out a paper at school and it had put down mother's name and I had written Barbara and under father's name I put God. And my teachers thought I was being a smart aleck, which I can be, but I wasn't, but I wasn't. 
I so meant it. He was my father. I just hadn't seen him yet. And, and back, I guess it was about a year, year and a half ago, Pastor Ronnie was teaching and he was talking about the last days and, and he was talking about the return of, of Christ. And, and I was sitting over there and it just began to wash through me. The Lord teaches me in pictures. I know that you guys know that about me. So often he teaches me in pictures and, and I'm sitting there and he's talking about Jesus return and he's talking about heaven and tears are just streaming down my face and I'm thinking I remember this fragrance I remember this and and the image that hit my spirit was that of myself when I was a child we had this little bitty kitchen and there was a a, a, a door that went out onto three wooden steps that came off of the house and and it and it looked off into the to the distance a little bit and the image that the Lord gave me was of me as a, as a little girl. I could see myself from behind. And um, I had on a, 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 an old t-shirt, a long t-shirt, and, and blue jeans that had been cut off at the knees. And I considered those my Sunday clothes. And, and tennis shoes. And, and I could see me at that window. And he reminded me when I was a kid, there were like eight, nine panes to this window. And, and I was short enough, I was small enough that I would stand at that window on tiptoe at night. And I would gaze up at the night sky and I would watch, much like children today, watch for Santa Claus out the window. And I would watch, and I would watch the sky and if a star flew by, you may as well know that Jesus had come. But, but it's like I would just watch and I would wait. And on the nights when my breath would make it too cold or, you know, I would fog the window, whatever. I'd say, Mama, can I go sit on the porch? And I would go sit on our concrete porch. There was one little step and, and I would sit there and I would watch the sky because I knew at any moment he was coming. And I wanted him to find me waiting I wanted to be the first one to see him. I wanted to be the first one to run to him. And my mom would say, Barbara, you got to come in. And I'd say, five more minutes. Five more minutes. Because there was this anticipation on the inside of me for his return. And I was thinking, when did that leave? When did I stop watching? When did I stop expecting? When did I become too mature to hope? When did it stop? See, the watchmen on the walls, back then there was a question, Isaiah 20 says that they called to the watchmen and said, watchmen, how far gone is the night? Watchmen, how far gone is the night? And they would give answer. And I wonder if we are perceptive enough in the spirit, I wonder if we have enough discernment on the inside of us to understand how close we are to mourning. How close we are to that moment when he does split the sky and return, there is such joy in that. So much. I mean, what are you going to do with that if we don't? Guys, the moment that we lose that, the moment that we lose that anticipation, the moment that we stop looking for him, let me tell you what happens. We stop living like he could come back at any time. We become lazy in our walk. We become, we shut down and, and we take care of the things that concern us at the moment. We become worried and burdened and heavy and we carry these things. But the moment that he reminds us, the moment that we remember, just to, to remember that he's going to come back for us, if the moment that we forget that, 
we begin to struggle. We begin to become weighted. See, I want to believe with everything in me that he's coming back. It could be today. And you hear that. You hear that and it just goes right by us. But it could be today. It could be today. I used to go to bed at night. When I would go to bed at night, I would pray, God, if there's anything in me, if there's sin in me, if there's anything, God, that could separate me from you, God, I ask that you forgive me, that you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Because I, if he came in the night, I wanted to go with him. If, whenever he was coming, I wanted to be ready. And I checked my heart all the time because I expected him. When I stopped expecting him, I stopped checking. When we stop, we don't live like he could come back today. Last night, if I could get the praise team to come up just for a minute, because I want to give us a little extra time for prayer at the end. Last night, I was running through the teaching, and I was praying, and I was thinking about more than watchmen. And the call and the mandate that we have, the hope that we have, the anticipation we should have in watching that eastern sky. You know, when I was a little girl, I used to cry and I would say, Mom, Mama, please take me to the Mountain of Olives. Please take me to the Mountain of Olives. Because when I was little, they told me that that's where he left. That's where he had ascended from. And that's where he was coming back to. That his foot was going to stand on the Mount of Olives. And I wanted to be there waiting on him. I wanted to be there and meet him. Waiting on him. Last night, I was, when I was going through my notes, and I got to the very end, and I was praying, and I was like, God, is there anything that, have I missed anything? God, is there anything you want me to share? And what hit my spirit, what I, what I thought in my mind, I was getting ready to write it on a piece of paper, and what I thought in my mind was, tell them to get ready, to pray that they are ready, that they are awake, in the third watch. Pray that they are awake, that they're wide awake in the third watch. And, but when I wrote it, I looked down and it said, tell them to pray that they are wide awake in the fourth watch. And something in my spirit, I just sat kind of stunned for a moment because the fourth is the final watch the fourth is the watch that waited for the dawn and he took me to Mark and it said and Jesus came to them in the fourth watch walking on the water if we live if we dwell in the fourth watch, we need to watch and we need to wait and we need to expect joyful expectation. The Lord reminded me last night as I was praying that moment when we look for Him and I had just written this Come, oh come, my 
my bridegroom dear. My heart does call your name. But one touch from your sweet hand, never will I be the same. Long, oh long, this aching heart for one whose name is all. Sweetest voice soon will I hear, for he to me will call. Look, oh look upon his face, and fairest lover see light of life. Now split the dawn. Come, love, my love, to me. Hold, oh hold, the strongest arms. Rest safely, troubled head, for he has come, the lovely one, and there's nothing left to dread. Heart, oh heart, consumed by flame, passion's fire refined. For at last, I am my beloved's, and he is truly mine. The day is coming. The day is coming. Don't get weary in your waiting. Let hope arise on the inside of you as you begin to gaze toward the eastern skies, as you begin to remember that one day that he said, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself. For where I am, there you may be also. There you may be also. Ah, oh, Jesus. Can you stand with me? I'm going to have some prayer warriors come down. If you have grown weary in the waiting and if you have lost that joyful anticipation or if you have never been one to watch for him, come and let them pray with you. And for the rest of us, we're getting ready to sing a song. It's called Waiting Here for You. And as we sing, my prayer would be that you would engage God that you would look, that you would peer off into the distance and that you would reach into the heavenlies and that you would testify, that you would say to him, God, I am waiting here for you. I'm waiting for you. Amen. If you need prayer, please come.